Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Unscripted Faith Podcast, the place for Christian women to hear biblical truths and insights in a straightforward, candid, and sometimes humorous way to help us get through these crazy times we're living in. I'm your host, Jesse T. And just a quick little recap here. The first episode that I did was on the difference between temptation and suffering. But my most recent podcast was on my personal testimony, which was a story of friendship, betrayal, brokenness, forgiveness, and intense spiritual growth. I'm sure that many of you found that there were elements from my story that you probably can relate to in whatever your current situation is. I did receive a question from a listener about that episode featuring my testimony, so I wanted to just share my response with you really quick. The question was, how did you respond to the attacks on social media? And the answer is, I didn't. I chose not to defend myself for a few reasons. I was actually running for political office during that time, which was part of their motive for attacking me, and I definitely did not want to add any sort of fuel to their fire. Plus, I was feeling such pain and anguish over this betrayal, I had never experienced such an attack on my character or my integrity in my entire life. I was basically feeling paralyzed by these attacks on me and my family. It affected me mentally, spiritually, physically, and emotionally, and it just took me by complete surprise. I guess if I were going to say that I had any kind of response at all, it would be by making myself scarce because there was sort of a veiled threat put out there by the shop owner at one point where she had posted on her social media that I had better watch my back. So my response to that threat was that I began to drive over an hour away just to get groceries and I began driving to the next town over to do my banking and working really hard not to actually have any friendships. And I also buttoned up my social media so that hopefully they wouldn't find it or be able to exploit it in any way, or at least not easily. And by not going to the local festivals and parades in town that my family had always enjoyed going to together for these past three years, I think that staying silent was probably my best way for me to conduct myself through that whole mess. And besides this podcast, it's how I still operate my life. In fact, this podcast is the most forward thing that I have done since all of this began. Even putting my photo as an icon on social media platforms for this podcast was extremely risky for me, considering how unrelenting and vicious these people have shown themselves to be toward me. I think that I would have actually brought a whole lot more suffering upon myself if I had been defensive or offensive in my response to them. I even asked my husband to actually operate by these same standards that I was putting out there for myself, which was incredibly hard for him because he's like the most protective person that I've ever met. And I asked him to stand down on this in light of all that they were doing to me. And that was next to impossible for him to do because he so badly wanted to vindicate me and protect the honor of my name. So I'm glad that's the way it worked out, even though at one point I wanted nothing more than to do exactly the opposite of staying quiet. So that's the answer to that question about how I decided to respond to the situation. All right, let's get right into the message today. We are still on the topic of suffering this week, and I just want to say that the whole study on suffering has led me in so many different directions, and while it may seem oppressive to study such a depressing topic, it's actually been a surprisingly fascinating, deep, and complex topic. Choosing a place to begin this week's podcast was no easy task, so after much consideration, I've decided to begin this podcast by talking about the different types of suffering that a Christian might encounter. So on that note, I think it's worth looking back at history, human history, and just recognizing that since the beginning of time, we humans have figured out a cure to alleviate 
pretty much every ill and tragedy and how to save so much time and how to create a life of comfort, convenience, and ease that we have arrived at this idea that we should be entitled to forego the experience of suffering in today's culture and that suffering is all bad or that every instance of suffering is straight from the devil. And while it doesn't feel good to go through anything other than good times in our lives, our sense of entitlement has actually clouded our ability to view suffering as being capable of producing anything positive in our lives. But that's not necessarily how suffering has always been viewed. The people that we read about in the Bible expected suffering to come. Their question about suffering wasn't, what should I do if I suffer? But how should I handle it when I suffer? You see, suffering is universal to every person on the planet throughout every age that has ever passed and is to come here on earth. Suffering is an experience that has the ability to encompass nearly every part of our being. We experience suffering both logically and emotionally, as well as sometimes physically and spiritually. It can engage our adrenaline response and even alter or inform us on how to adapt our personality to different situations. It can even affect how we function from day to day, and it has the ability to sort of imprint itself somewhere in the deepest crevices of our souls as like a memory that tends to inform our next decisions about how to go about trusting the people that we meet going forward or how we remember things when we look back because suffering has the ability to give us something that we've called trauma in this day and age. And that's a problem because trauma makes us skeptical about pretty much everything, including the one who has more power than your trauma. And of course, I'm talking about God. And I don't know about you, but I get a little weirded out about sharing the gospel with people sometimes, not because I'm ashamed of the gospel and not because I don't know it and not because I'm afraid of their reaction, but because there is a high price to pay for following Jesus because it entails a life marked by suffering. So many Christians around the globe and throughout time have been teased, persecuted, tortured, and even killed because of putting their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a very potentially dangerous matter and a risky thing to do, but people around all continents of the globe are taking that risk because even though they have much more to lose than we do in certain parts of the world, they see that Jesus is worth it. He gives them something that maybe we Americans forget the value of, and that is hope. And we need to make sure that any new believer is aware of the cost of following Jesus, because this isn't some cushy lifestyle thing that we choose to play with that we found that works for us, as some people would say, like some kind of shopping spree where you go to a store and try on these different types of religions to see which one aligns better with our own thought process. No, this is different. This is something that works for us because it's the only thing that fits everybody who is willing to come into agreement with the creator of the universe. And actually, most of the time, Christianity doesn't work for us at all. Not even here in the United States of America. No, Christianity works for God and for his purposes. And the true believer is someone who understands and accepts this call on their life to bring glory to God, no matter the cost, no matter how weird they might look, no matter what. An astounding number of Christians actually say that after they gave their life to the Lord, everything fell apart. It didn't come together. 
their marriage began to suffer. Their kids went off the rails. Their mental health began to suffer. Their finances crumbled. They got sick. Friendships were destroyed. Jobs were lost and so much more. In other words, following Jesus is basically a guaranteed surefire way to ensure some sort of suffering in your life. It's a miracle all by itself after knowing all of this that anyone would even choose to follow Jesus, really, if you think about it. The answer to the question, what's in it for me then, is the future hope and promise that we get to be made whole and perfect and go to heaven and spend eternity in a place that was made for a savior and spend that eternity with the one who died for us. But that's a delayed gratification, something entirely contrary to the world that we currently live in. But isn't he worthy? 1 Peter 2, 20 through 21 is probably not anyone's favorite life verse, but it sort of proves this point that suffering is part of the call on the Christian's life. It says, but if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this, he's talking about suffering, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. And that's eventually where we'll end up landing on this topic of suffering in this podcast is Christ's example of suffering that he left for us because ultimately it seems that the Bible is telling us that the way that we get to know God better is through suffering. So in my own experience with my own recent trial that I shared in the second podcast, I know now in perhaps one of the realest senses that the way to understand or know God better really is through suffering. So let's start by identifying the most common types of trials or the different ways that we might suffer so that we can have a better handle on when we are facing suffering. These are in no particular order. So the first type is infirmities. Well, what are infirmities? This is not a common word that we use anymore, so let me just throw out some acceptable substitutes for you, just to make it a little clearer about what we're talking about. Infirmities are illnesses and physical limitations. Some people suffer temporary infirmities like viruses or unmanaged diseases or autoimmune disorders, mental health disorders, and even developmental delays. Other people might suffer long-term or even for their entire lives with things like recovering from a car accident. Or I think of a soldier returning from war or someone who is in an ongoing abusive relationship or a wheelchair-bound person. You get the idea. Another type of trial would be through the burden of daily responsibilities. And this might not seem like much of a trial to those of you who are going through something comparatively much more difficult. But if you've ever been a stay-at-home mother or even a full-time working mother, then you know that that can certainly feel like a trial. You might be mentally and physically exhausted because the kids are up super early in the morning or your body hurts from being pregnant or you're stressed about losing the baby weight or you have so many errands to run. You've only ever spent time in conversation with people under the age of five. You have so many different things to keep in order and here society is telling you that while you're stressed out, you have to look good doing it all. You can't even go to the bathroom or take a shower by yourself without someone crying and wanting your attention all the time. Or maybe your day consists of dealing with the life on the opposite end of the spectrum where you're a student and a parent at the same time, trying to break the family tradition of people dropping out of high school. And you're trying to secure a better future for your own children and probably working a job or two just to afford this step up in life. 
You've got exam deadlines, school drop-offs and pickups, childcare issues, and you always have to figure out what to make for dinner on top of all the other errands and everything else that you've got going on. And you know that once you graduate, you're not even sure how much money you're going to be able to make and if you even chose a degree that was worthwhile to pursue in the first place. Or you're the one on the other end of the spectrum taking care of an elderly parent and the ordeal has put a tremendous strain on your marriage, your finances, your relationship with your own children your job, your emotions, everything is just all over the place. These can all be exhausting, confusing, and difficult circumstances to deal with, and they certainly are trials that can weigh us down. We also may suffer from temptations, which we talked about in the first episode, and I was drawing a distinction there between temptations and suffering. And while temptations are different in one sense, They can also be similar or intertwined as well, especially if you have a sin that just plagues you that seems to always be popping back up no matter what you've done to try to escape it. Maybe you're struggling with an addiction or an attraction to another person who is not your spouse, but you work with them every day and they're not happy in their own relationship, so they keep pursuing you. Or maybe your temptation is pornography and it's affecting the trust factor in your marriage. Maybe it's an eating disorder where you struggle with the sin of gluttony that nobody ever wants to talk about because it's not very popular. These are often temptations that are unrelenting, that occupy our thoughts, that seem to become like a whole separate beast within us that demands our attention and demands to be fed. So in that sense, temptations and suffering can very much seem connected and sometimes they're very difficult to tell apart. As Christians, we may also suffer what the Bible calls fiery trials, which can really be anything that I'm listing in this episode, but also they can be things like outbursts of anger or endless grief or even lustful passions and spiritual warfare. We might suffer disgrace or shame. So things like ridicule, mocking, bullying, rejection, harassment, people bearing false witness against us, exclusion, and those sorts of things that we might suffer just because of our faith and our beliefs. We might even face tribulations, which is considered great suffering. Tribulations might be looked at as extreme trouble or suffering. So when I think of tribulation, I think of persecution, which would be real oppression, which is cruel and unjust prolonged torture or a prolonged unjust way of being treated or controlled. In America, we don't have a lot of experience with real persecution the way some missionaries or people living in nations which have made Christianity illegal do. In some countries, it's a very, very risky thing to profess your faith in Christ because you can die for it. And while that may seem like an outlandish concept to us in the United States, we need to remember that we may not always have it this good. We should never take our safety for granted because it may not always be this way. Anyone who's been a Christian in America for any length of time knows that the tide has begun to change. Fiery trials can be considered catastrophic events in your life, perhaps with multiple tragedies happening at the same time. For instance, maybe you've experienced a house fire and you've lost a loved one or a pet in that tragic event followed shortly thereafter by a car accident and maybe a job loss, plus a terminal illness. I would certainly consider that a fiery trial. But it can also be something happening in the bigger world around you, like being in the midst of a war and perhaps being displaced from your home with no resources to survive. 
all of these types of circumstances can shape our faith. And as I said before, any pain or suffering that we go through will either make us bitter toward God or they can make us better. How we go through these painful experiences in life, as well as how long these trials may last, depending on the exact nature of the trial that you're suffering, matters greatly. Not just for our own well-being, but also for the well-being of other believers learning from our testimony and even our own children and spouses and church and family members who are watching us go through that trial. So how we go through it matters. And the way that we suffer also matters to the world, even to the people who hate God and hate Christians, because they are watching our testimony. How well we survive the trial may depend on a few different things, like who we're listening to for advice and encouragement, or whether we choose to go through suffering God's way or our own way. Or it might depend on which dog you feed. And what I mean by that is I'm sure you may have heard this analogy before. I believe it's actually credited as a Cherokee story or proverb of some sort. It says that we have these two dogs within us and the one who wins will be the one that you feed. And it's really just talking about the struggle between our flesh and our spirit. The person that we are inclined to be and the person that we want to be deep down and how well we come through a trial will also depend on the waiting and the manner in which we wait. We can wait impatiently, fussing, whining, growing, cynical, angry, and lashing out at people, or we can endure patiently, which means that we work toward ensuring a good attitude and wait on the Lord with trust and serving him in the meantime as we wait for things to change, because some things just take time to heal or to pass. For example, let's say that you're rebuilding your life after a flood ruined your home. It takes time for the cleanup process to take place, and it takes time for the insurance money to come through, and it takes time to find a new place that's within your budget. It might even take time to start your life over again. Are we going to go around complaining, hurting other people just because we ourselves are hurting and wishing ourselves to die while we wait? Or are we going to try to take those thoughts captive so that we're focusing on thinking of whatever is true, whatever is lovely, whatever is good, as the Bible tells us to do, so that the battle in our minds doesn't have a chance to poison our own souls as well as the world around us? Are we going to grow spiritually strong in our trials or are we going to crumble under the pressure and send our lives off the rails? Are you a fighter? Then set your mind to coming out of this battle swinging. I'm not saying don't cry and don't show emotion. There's no strength in denying your humanity. I'm saying if you get knocked down 100 times, get back up 101 times. I think that was actually Mike Tyson that said that. And by the way, don't just get back up. Get back up with determination and set your mind to suffering the way that you are instructed to in the Bible. Our ability to withstand trials depends partly on how we choose to view the concept of suffering. And I want to be careful when speaking to those of you who are currently just really struggling right now, because in no way, shape, or form do I intend to try to simplify your trial, as I've said before. I don't want to simplify it to a mere system of how to get through it. That's not the point of my podcast. What I am sharing with you are just insights, and I don't think anyone expects you to just make a list of boxes to start checking off like some 12-step program that's suddenly going to change your perspective and heal your aching heart. I'm just saying that these are truths about suffering that maybe you won't even be able to fully grasp until your season of pain has finally come to an end. 
And that really is okay because God doesn't give us a timeline for how we go through these things. That's something that we do to ourselves or to each other. And it's actually quite a debilitating problem that we've created all of these worldly expectations where the bar might just be set too high for some people to achieve within those parameters. What I think God is probably interested in more than anything based on what I've been studying is that we learn from these experiences in the end and whether or not it changes us and causes more Christ-like behavior and responses from us. I think that's what really matters because what we learn after the trial should ideally shape how we move forward and inform other people about trials when we see other people struggling with their own seasons of suffering. Because what we learn after the trial should ideally shape how we move forward and how we inform others when we see them going through their own season of suffering. So what type of trial are you going through right now? Are you bitter? Are you hurt? Are you having a hard time suffering graciously and patiently? If that sounds like you, I just want to encourage you that it's normal to feel this way, but it doesn't mean that you should glory in your bitterness the way that I did during my own struggles that I just shared in episode two. Unfortunately, I learned that the hard way, but the good news is that God can still work through this bitter season if that's where you're at, and he can ultimately make you softer and make you grow. I love the verse that says that we cannot thwart or change the purpose of God. Because I know that in my own human mind, I will always be bent toward doing the opposite of what God asks, commands, or desires of me. Because I am human. And because of the sinfulness that entered humanity way back when the first two humans were placed on this planet. That flesh dog is very strong. But God knows how to handle that. Or maybe you're too tired to even be bitter. Exodus 15:2 says, The Lord is my strength and my defense. Isaiah 41.10 says, Do not fear, for I am with you, and I will strengthen you, and I will help you, and hold you up with my righteous right hand. Have you ever thought about how big God's hand is? You are safe, my friend. Just rest. The Bible says, Be still and know that I am God. I talked about scripture memorization in my first podcast and really harped on the fact that we really have no excuse not to memorize some scripture. Be still and know that I am God is an easy one and it's a good one to commit to your memory and to meditate on in your struggle and it should bring you an immense amount of comfort. And let's talk about meditation for a moment too, because scripture tells us to meditate on his word. And I've been seeing so many things going around Instagram and social media lately about meditating and whether or not it's godly. In our day and age, we are encouraged to meditate. Well, I know people who meditate. I'm sure you do too. And it seems that there are a few different ways to actually do it. One way that I've seen in movies is to sit with your legs crisscrossed on your, with your heels touching each other and humming while you place your hands on your knees and touch different fingers to different fingers. This is not biblical meditation. The New Age type Eastern religions and systems teach meditation as the emptying of your mind. Biblical meditation, on the other hand, is the practice of quieting your mind before the Lord. And instead of emptying your mind, you are filling it with scripture. You're not humming, you're not chanting, or anything like that. You are simply thinking of scripture, getting alone to a quiet place, and really trying to think about what it means, and trying to, you know, take apart the sentence, and take apart the 
phrase and see what it really is all about. You can learn and memorize scripture by meditating on it. Don't go too hard on yourself. Start with just one verse a week. Pick small, easy verses such as be still and know that I am God. If you're suffering right now and you are hurt, you can be assured that this pain will not last forever. It feels like it right now, maybe, but it cannot last forever. Your pain will end soon and you will live and your story will change. Or your pain will last for a season, but then you'll wake up in heaven someday and it will all be over. Where the hands that were pierced for you will wipe your tears from your eyes and heal every single emotional, physical, and every conceivable pain and sorrow that you have ever had. But one way or the other, whether here on earth or there in heaven, your pain will end. What an incredible thought. Suffering can be such a heavy topic, and I just want to make sure that I don't leave you on kind of a depressing note this week for the next several days. So I was thinking about it, and I decided that I would actually like to share another part of my testimony with you that I didn't even know was very important until this past week. So basically what happened is when my husband and I were 18 years old, we were attending a youth group at a very small church in our local area. And the pastor decided to take us to one of those harvest crusades, sort of one of those Billy Graham style big events in an arena where basically you go to some sort of, this was a sporting event. So we were watching a hockey game and then they had a really cool band and they had a really neat little preacher. And at the end of the sermon that the preacher gave, he gave an altar call. And the idea, of course, was to share Jesus with as many teenagers as you possibly could. So the way that my husband and I were saved was we went down to this great big city to watch this hockey game. And we had no idea at the time how significant that would be. Basically, the only thing I really remember was there was this cool band and there was this really neat little preacher guy and he walked out on this red carpet, which for some reason, that's what I remembered the most about the sermon, which is kind of silly. But he walked out on the red carpet and he talked about Jesus. And at the end of it, he asked if anybody would like to give their lives to the Lord. And all you had to do was raise your hand. And of course, your eyes were supposed to be closed and your head was supposed to be bowed. But nobody really actually does that because what happened is people raised their hands and people wanted to see around them who was raising their hands. Well, when I looked around, I noticed that pretty much everybody around me had raised their hand saying that they wanted to give their life to the Lord, but I hadn't raised my hand yet. And I didn't want to look like a fool, so I decided to raise my hand. And it was sort of a half-hearted profession of faith, but I knew deep down in my soul that it was actually the right thing to do. I didn't know what I would do about it, but I just sort of knew that that was the right thing and that that really was the story of salvation. So I raised my hand and actually my husband raised his hand as well. And we went home and nothing in our lives really changed actually for 20 years, nothing changed. We did go to church once we became adults and once we had children after we were married. And I thought that was when I got saved. But when I look back on my life, I realized that that was actually really the day that I truly did give my heart to the Lord. And the reason that I know that is because on Sunday night this past week, 
we were, we've changed churches. And ever since we started going to this new church, we got invited to a couple of people's houses for lunch. So on this past Sunday, we were invited to a different couple's house for lunch. And while the men were talking in the living room, I went out to help the wife, Cheryl, with the lunch preparations. And, you know, I didn't really know what to say to her. I didn't really know her. So I just said, so how long have you been going to this church? And she said, oh, I don't know, about 14 or 15 years. But before that, we were going to a church for about 25 years in a little town just down the road. And this is a very small area. So of course, I knew exactly what church she was talking about. And I said, oh, under Pastor Rose. And she said, yes, how did you know? And I said, well, because that's the church that my husband and I actually got saved out of. And she said, oh, well, how did that come about? And I told her the story of how our youth pastor brought us down to this big arena for a hockey game to watch a really cool band and this little preacher guy. And she said, well, that is so exciting because my husband and I always used to donate to those types of events. And we always wondered if there was ever any spiritual fruit from it. Seeing your children here today and seeing that they're following the Lord really shows me that there was spiritual fruit. And so later on in the evening after lunch, we ended up back at the church because we have evening Bible study for the adults in the evening when the children and teenagers are downstairs doing their youth group. And so during the praise and prayer portion of it, Cheryl decided to share that they had had my husband and my children over for lunch. And she said the story about how she just found out that we actually had a connection back at that small church in that little town and how the money that she had donated apparently had gone to to two different lives, mine and my husband's, you know, where we got saved. And so then there was this other woman that was sitting in the group that I hadn't actually officially met yet, but her name is Deb. And Deb got really excited all of a sudden. And she said, Oh my gosh. She said, I remember that event. She said the year was 1999. The band was Toby Mac with DC talk. And the preacher was Luis Palau. And then I got super excited because honestly, I couldn't remember who the band was. I don't remember what songs they played or anything. And I don't remember much of what the preacher said, except for asking us if we wanted to give our lives to the Lord. And so I was so excited. And I said, Oh my gosh. And I shook my husband really hard. And I said, we did really cool things together. We just kind of started laughing about it. But as I've been thinking about it this week, the big takeaway to me is God doesn't waste anything, not even a half-hearted hand in the air, not even sure if I really want to do this. He didn't waste that. He has been developing my testimony and my life this entire time. And so I want to say to you, if you're suffering, it may not ever be that on this earth that you know the purpose of that suffering. And you may never know who you are affecting with the testimony of how you live out your faith every day, or what you say to people, or what the result of your evangelistic efforts may be, if that's something that you are actually doing, which we all should be doing. You may not know what God is doing, but we have to remember that the harvest, it's not for us. It's for God. All of this is for God. We, when we give our lives to the Lord, we are saying, I give you permission to take over my life and use it for your purpose. And that is what God did for me. And the funny thing is, I had no idea really for the longest time that God had even used that moment in my life as anything important or significant. And I just wanted to share that with you as an encouragement. Because it's so hard sometimes to go through the trenches and suffer and feel all of these feelings and deal with all of these experiences and just think that it's all for naught or to think that God is doing this to us or allowing this in our lives just so we can suffer. But that's not the case. 
So that seems like a great place to leave off for this week. Hopefully an encouraging note for you guys to ponder and meditate on this week and maybe to even look up some scriptures that might go along with God's purposes and how he uses every experience for his glory. I just really want to truly thank you all so much for listening to me talk on this podcast. I honestly never thought that I would ever be teaching about Jesus or anything Bible related. I was such a chicken, so afraid of offending people, but I've just finally arrived at this realization after knowing it in my head for so long that we belong to God and we are created for his purposes. And I am so grateful that he has chosen to use me even if it seems way out of the realm of possibilities for someone like me. And it means the world to me that I now know that there are people that are hearing me talk and encourage them on this podcast. And I'm not just talking to myself because it proves to me that I am doing exactly what the Lord has asked me to do because something I haven't shared with you guys is that I have not done any promotion of this podcast other than paying for the podcast hosting fees. I've been looking at the heat map and checking it because my sort of fleece that I put out before the Lord was, Lord, if you want me to do this, just show me that one person in the world is listening. And so I've been checking out the heat map in the analytics panel of the podcast, and I have been blown away because I am seeing that some of you are listening from as far away as Mexico, Morocco, Kenya, Nigeria, Brussels, London, Texas, Maine, Tennessee, North Carolina, South Carolina. And I am just truly so humbled by this, not because of anything that I've done. I don't need attention or anything because I cannot think of a higher honor than to be used by God for his purposes. So I would love it if you would all tune in next time as we explore some of the causes of suffering. As I close this message out, I also want to just say to you, has the Lord laid something on your heart that he wants you to do for him? Does he want you to start a podcast? Does he want you to move somewhere else? Does he want you to teach a women's study? Does he want you to minister to that woman, that child? Go do it. You will be so blessed by following the Lord in obedience. I want to share with you that I now have a website where you can view basically a transcript of the podcast. But what's different about the website from the podcast is that I include some extra stuff in some of the transcripts that I cut out of the podcast edit for time's sake. So you might find more detail in there versus listening here. But you should also know that I write the podcast transcript exactly as I talk. I pay no attention to correct grammar. I do write some words in all capital letters. If that sort of thing is going to drive you crazy, you might want to just stick with the podcast. But if you are looking for this transcript, you can certainly find it at the website. And that link is www.unscriptedfaithpod.wixsite.com. So that's U-N-S-C-R-I-P-T-E-D-F-A-I-T-H-P-O-D dot W-I-X-S ite.com. I have not paid for a custom domain yet. I really haven't been promoting at all. Like I said, I've just been sort of letting God lead people to this podcast if he so chooses. If you want to email any questions or if you want to share upcoming topic ideas for the podcast, you can send those to me at unscriptedfaithpodcast at gmail.com. Please feel free to share this podcast if you know someone who might be encouraged or informed by it. Until then, may the Lord bless you 
and keep you and make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. God bless.